Chapter Eleven of Prodigal Daughters by Joseph Hawking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kate Fallis. Chapter Eleven Unacceptable Advice. While Mr. James Barnes was making his way towards the station, Eleanor Trelawney was climbing the hill which led from the station to her father's house usually calm and cold the girl was much excited during the day she had had conversation with miss tamson corey and one or two others of the same ilk and afterwards had taken a step which was destined to prove very important in her life's history she had often boasted to herself that she seldom acted on impulse but submitted everything to the cold test of reason but it might appear just at present that she was untrue to this boast even as she walked across the heath her lips were tremulous while in her eyes was a look which suggested apprehension if not fear miss trelawney she gave a start as if caught in some guilty act but a moment later a look of relief passed across her face i saw you leaving the station and took the liberty of following you you don't mind do you it was roderick ravenscroft who spoke and from the earnest look he gave her it might appear that he had something important in his mind the heath is not private property was her laughing reply no thank goodness are you on your way home i suppose so does that mean that you are in no hurry well why should you be it's a beautiful evening and spring is showing everywhere will you let me walk with you eleanor assented almost eagerly there was a kind of calm strength in ravenscroft's presence and although she had more than once spoken of him as awfully conventional she rather admired him indeed although she had never confessed it even to herself she had more than an ordinary interest in him instead of going straight towards her home they turned into a path which led to the less frequented parts of the heath i hope you are all right at home miss trelawney said ravenscroft rather awkwardly after they had gone a few steps together i don't think anyone's there except mother was her answer i don't know where peg is and father and john left the house early this morning yes of course your father'll be at the war office as you know i met him for the first time on sunday and-and i say you must be awfully proud of him why why i think he's one of the grandest men i ever met just the perfect specimen of an english officer who is also an english gentleman i thought you seemed very struck by him i was it isn't often one meets such a man if i'd remained in the army i'd have given anything to serve under him 
by jove he's the kind of man for whom his men will go anywhere or do anything i've been hearing to-day of his work in the east and how by his coolness his courage and his iron will he's carried through some terribly difficult jobs do you admire these iron-willed men yes when they are like he is you see he's so kind and reasonable and never expects or asks for anything but what is right eleanor was silent he's always so courteous too i couldn't help noticing it on sunday no matter how much he abominated miss corey's views and i'm positive he did he seemed always to remember that she was a guest in his house Eleanor grew slightly angry at this. She remembered the conversation that took place afterwards. Do you know, went on Ravenscroft, that I almost dreaded meeting him? I had something to say to him, and I dreaded how he would meet me. And did you say what you wanted to say? Yes, replied Ravenscroft, flushing somewhat shall i tell you what it was and did he meet you kindly she asked taking no notice of his question very kindly miss trelawney may i ask you something i can't keep you from asking anything you like can i and she felt her heart beating rapidly it's this said ravenscroft of course it's an awful liberty for me to take but i hope you won't mind you don't agree with that woman do you what woman miss corey of course i know such people exist and that such views as she holds are becoming very common but i do hope that that you hate them indeed he went on hurriedly i was rather surprised to see her there as your friend i know it's awfully cheeky on my part to say so but i can't help it and supposing i do oh but you couldn't you know no lady could ravenscroft had said more than he intended he was much excited at being alone with eleanor and in his excitement forgot himself he knew that miss corey had been at the trelawney home as eleanor's friend and could not quite understand it and yet he felt he had no right much as he desired it to condemn such a friendship then you do not class miss corey as a lady who could i could and do i'm awfully sorry I don't see what you've to be sorry about. My friendships are rather a personal matter, and I fail to see why any, any, she hesitated for a word, outsider should interfere. Miss Trelawney, said Ravenscroft eagerly, I didn't mean to say this, and yet I'm sure you must know. I hope I'm not an outsider, as far as your house is concerned. I... I very much want to to become one of you. You must surely know that. That's why that woman made me a bit angry. Had she been in some other house or someone else's friend, I shouldn't have given her a second thought, except to laugh at her. 
ravenscroft was rather unfortunate in his remarks but he was excited he was not quite sure of his ground with eleanor and yet he was angry at the thought of her being the friend of such a woman as tamson cory laugh at her indeed eleanor was irritated by his words although much that he said pleased her you laugh at tamson cory why she's one of the most intellectual women i know i'm sorry you know her at all interjected ravenscroft making another unpolitic move i fail to see why replied his companion coldly indeed i do not understand what you have to do with my friendships aren't you taking a great deal upon yourself i'm afraid i am admitted ravenscroft but surely you know why i'm so so interested in you that i hate to see you in the society of such a woman surely you don't agree with her surely you don't accept her ideas about about morality they are not decent you know really mr ravenscroft i've no recollection of ever giving you permission to discuss my closest friends with me as to what views i hold i rather think that is purely a personal matter i know i'm awfully rude persisted ravenscroft and i can't forgive myself for angering you but but i say miss trelawney have i made a mistake i i he was tremendously excited i had hoped sincerely hoped passionately hoped that although our acquaintance has not been a very long one you cared enough for me to allow me to speak freely about such things such things as what such things as as friendships replied ravenscroft vainly trying to lead the conversation into the channel he desired then i'm afraid you have made a mistake replied eleanor coldly i should never think of allowing any one any one to interfere with my friendships to say nothing of of a casual visitor to my father's house but surely said ravenscroft still floundering your father does not favour your your intimacy with that woman i beg your pardon but i refuse to discuss my father's wishes i'm sure i apologize said roderick who was also getting a little angry no doubt i have been very foolish perhaps presumptuous still he was in love with this girl and he felt sure that it was owing to his own clumsiness that the conversation had been so unsatisfactory he did not believe could not that eleanor could really care for a woman he felt to be vulgar if not immoral perhaps in a thoughtless moment she had invited her to her father's house but he did not believe eleanor was really influenced by her of course he knew she held somewhat advanced views 
but so did lots of other girls he knew and he was so much in love with her that he had not paid them serious attention he determined he would make one more try and again he took the wrong course miss trelawney he said after they had walked some distance in silence i'm sure you can't mean it mean what what you said what did i say that miss corey was your dearest friend but i do say it she is my dearest friend and do you believe as she believes about what why all that wild talk about women and marriage i don't blindly follow any one but in the main i agree with her personally i hate the thought of marriage how any self-respecting woman can consent to become the chattel of a man to give her life to a man is beyond me the whole thought is disgusting eleanor had said more than she meant far more than she believed but she did not have her usual control over herself the decision she had made that day affected her more than she had realized in her heart of hearts eleanor knew that her father was right and yet so much had she been influenced by the people with whom she had met that she determined to fight her battle to the last after listening much to a certain class of women she half believed in what they said and so fully had she accepted their views about what they called women's inalienable right to liberty that it had become a sort of passion with her in a sense only a part of the girl's nature was aroused on the intellectual side she was fully developed but she had not realized her womanhood as a child she had never been fond of dolls and had never been fully conscious of what for want of a better word may be termed the maternal side of her nature like many girls of her age she was somewhat of a revolutionist by nature and owing to a lack of strong guiding influences in her home life and moved to admiration of what she called the unconventionality of the women she had met she was unbalanced added to all this was the fact that religious influences had been largely eliminated the advanced women she had met spoke of religion as an unnatural restriction of human liberty and this fact had determined her to oppose her father if he should attempt to use parental authority she was not what might be called an affectionate girl and yet in a way she could not understand she hungered for affection she professed to scorn marriage and yet in spite of the fact that she was angry with peggy for her infatuation for barnes she aided and abetted her in her disobedience to her father and although she despised barnes she almost envied her sister you are serious in this miss trelawney asked ravenscroft after a somewhat painful silence perfectly serious that i am mistaken please forgive me had i known that i would not of course 
have bothered you. Neither will I tell you what, what I longed to tell you. You would not understand. It, it would have been too, too sacred for you to comprehend. My eyes are opened now, and, and of course, I'm tremendously sorry. After that, they talked on the merest commonplaces until they reached Colonel Trelawney's house. "'Won't you come in and speak to Mother?' she asked. "'No, thank you. It's nearly dinner-time, and my people will be expecting me. Good evening.' Eleanor Trelawney went straight into her own room, nervous, irritable, and low-spirited. She could not understand she was disappointed, angry with herself. She had been true to what she called her convictions, but she was not satisfied. She felt sure she knew what Rod Ravenscroft had meant to say to her, and the thought brought a feeling to her heart akin to pain. There was something else, too, something wonderful, indefinable. Then her mind flew back to the experiences of the previous Sunday night, and her father's imperative command that she should see no more of such women as Tamsin Corey. She remembered, too, what she had done that day, and wondered if she had done right. Yes, she did admire her father, and in her heart of hearts she knew that he was only doing what was right. After all, she herself had often felt uncomfortable at the talk of the advanced women. Perhaps had Colonel Trelawney come into the room at that moment, Eleanor's life story might have been different. In a way she could not understand, she longed for affection, longed for loving advice and guidance. Did Rod Ravenscroft care for her? Was that what he meant? Her heart beat faster at the thought, and yet, no, she hated the idea of marriage, and she would be free to live her own life, no matter what her father might say. Dinner was to be late that evening. Colonel Trelawney had phoned that he could not get home till after eight o'clock, and she found herself dressed and ready before the bell rang. "'Peg, where have you been?' she asked, as she heard her sister's footsteps outside the door. "'I'll tell you after dinner. There, his serene highness has arrived. He's talking with the pattern boy.' Eleanor was quite calm, as presently she met the family at dinner, and as her father seemed very cold and stern, the influences of the day seemed to harden. "'I'm going to spend tomorrow with Trev.' remarked the colonel presently. He has to go to Ireland on Friday, so I must leave London to-night. I want to get to Plymouth early, so that I can have the whole day with him. "'When will you get back, dear?' asked Mrs. Trelawney. "'I shall leave Plymouth on Friday,' was his reply. "'But I have to see some men at the war office directly I get back.' "'Fancy, two whole nights,' sighed Mrs. Trelawney. Yes, two whole nights, laughed the colonel, but that's not much after several years' absence. I hate your going away, though. I don't think the war office is fair. You ought to have had at least a month's freedom after all you've done. I shall soon get it now, 
replied the colonel of course there were a lot of things that had to be settled but i'm nearly through with them and of course i have to see trev couldn't i go with you asked mrs trelawney i want to see him too the colonel was on the point of answering in the affirmative but at that moment he saw the look in peggy's eyes i wish i could say yes he replied but i think you'll have to stay home however pleasant it might be it wouldn't be wise do you think the house would run away if mother weren't here asked eleanor i think it will be safer if she is here to take care of it replied the colonel gravely and that reminds me of course you remember our conversation on sunday night we are not likely to forget it replied the girl just so i've had rather an unpleasant reminder of it this evening as i shall have to be leaving shortly i want to say that i trust to your honour to see that my wishes are obeyed whose honour asked peggy the honour of both you girls the decision i came to on sunday has been confirmed especially to-day you mean that i'm not to see jim you are not to see that man barnes neither are you to hold any communication with him whatever peggy was silent i must confess to a grievous disappointment went on the colonel in spite of what i said on sunday i find that you have been again meeting this man yes and i mean to was the defiant reply then you know that he asked for an interview with me yes i never promised i wouldn't see him i'm engaged to him and of course i told him all you said you realize that this is open defiance and disobedience of course i do well i've seen him and i've forbidden him to speak to you or see you again if he disobeys me i shall have to take stern methods i'm sorry to have to say this but you have compelled me and does this also apply to my friends asked eleanor to those of the miss cory order yes was the father's reply as for such friends as your mother approves of i will gladly welcome them come now children you may think me hard but you'll thank me some day i'm only acting in love and for your good perhaps his closing words were not wise if there is anything which present-day girls resent it is to be told that something is being done for their good in any case neither of them replied and as the colonel had to leave them in order to make preparations for his journey they went away together john my boy confided the colonel just before his departure i feel anything but happy in going away nothing would have induced me to leave home just now but the fact that i shall have no other opportunity of seeing trev for some weeks he had told john of what had passed between barnes and himself and had expressed a stronger dislike to him than before yes it is awkward assented john however the thing was bound to come to a head went on the colonel and one can't live in a state of uncertainty we can either trust them or we can't john was silent 
Anyhow, I shall be staying at the Duke of Cornwall Hotel. You must telephone me if anything happens. All right, Dad. And, and you'll do all you can, my boy. Yes, all I can. That's right, my son. Good night. Good night, Dad. Come back as soon as you can. He's a good lad, reflected the Colonel, as the Cornish Express swept westward. Thank God for him. End of chapter 11